realize this is uh, episode 450. Oh. That's a multiple of 50. It is. <laughs> it makes it uh, interesting. 50! Um, yeah, so make it real hype because it's going to uh, start or end a show. I can't remember which one. Start or. Wait. It's going to start or end a fantasy, or not a fantasy, uh, a, uh, <laughs> a <clip>. anniversary <laughs> show. Anniversary show. Okay. And also probably one of your fantasies. <laughs> That's right. Probably. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. Wee! I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. <laughs> I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch in unbeatable goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. Today is May 10th, 2020, and this is episode 450. This show, we're going to discuss a one and two week for the Pacers uh, but then we're talking about the 95 Pacers-Knicks Eastern Conference Semifinal Series. Uh, joining me this show are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Hope you had a good one. Happy Mother's Day. From Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles, John Colson. I'm, I'm in Texas right now. I'm in Houston. That's right. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Nico and Betsy, who are housing me uh, while they move out of their house. And, uh, I don't know, uh, keep me away from uh, COVID. I'm sheltering <laughs> in place in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I'd like to shout out uh, episode 450. Um, I assumed when we started this that if we did, uh, that we'd probably all be dead in a ditch by episode 450. <laughs> so. Wow! Why? Why did you assume that? I don't know. Such I assumed <laughs> high expectations for all of us. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad we're here, boys. Great. I'm glad we're not in a ditch. <laughs> From. Boise, Idaho, out west. It's our enforcer, John Harper. What's going on, fellas? Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I may have to leave early. I'm looking for a, a, a comfortable ditch. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to use one, find a good that's one. That's right. Like a Tempur-Pedic. <laughs> Does Lazy Boy make ditches? <laughs> you can get it for pretty cheap, I think. I, I hear that Lazy <laughs> Boy ditches are market. going for like 30 bucks. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! In addition uh, to, to Mother's Day, uh, my dad's birthday is coming up. Uh, I think on Tuesday, so this or this week. So, happy birthday, Dad! 
Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Before we get into the show, I just want to remind you, you can support us anytime you shop at Amazon. If you just click the link in the show notes or go to theunbeatables.com slash Amazon, uh, any shopping you do, a, a small percentage comes back to us. We had three games of basketball we're talking about, uh, as I mentioned at the top. It is the 1995 Pacers-Knicks Eastern Conference Semifinals. This week we're going to go over games five, six, and seven. Uh, when we last left you, Pacers, Pacers had a stranglehold on the series. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming they closed it out in game five. Um, <laughs> but Jason, uh, Jason, what's happened since uh, since we last spoke? Well, uh, many, many things have happened since game five in 1995 happened but uh we we don't have time for all that let's get into game five though back in uh madison square garden nick's crowd the electricity was on fire (laughs) yet again Uh, nick's come out and uh i thought the pacers actually did a good job weathering the storm you knew that the 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 knicks were going to come out with a, a lot of force um, both teams pretty hyped up. If I remember right, this game there was like just a, a gajillion turnovers in the first like six minutes or something yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> high scoring first quarter though, for like these two defensive juggernauts, it ends up thirty four twenty eight after the first Knicks on top. Uh, what did you guys see? Well, uh, the Knicks hit their first six shots. You're right. You, we had to weather that storm, uh, but in the process, they also had three fouls in the first 60 seconds right so we're Hmm. um part of weathering that storm is building up that foul count because as we know now that in the 90s foul trouble on your big man is basically the entire game of basketball so Mm -hmm. Mm um harper opens the game with a three and uh clark says nothing but rope i miss clark (laughs) collog he's great um but uh, I thought I thought Smiths was super aggressive. He had a couple dunks early, and McKee looked sort of alive. I, I I feel like in the first four games of the series, like he's not been great, and he um, looked at least energetic, um, making the small um, important moves. I guess that's kind of what he does all the time. But he also had a couple shots, which helps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Jerry Baker kept calling Bennett Salvatore Bennett Salvatore, which I thought was really funny. As pre his name change, <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> uh, but basically, this is this is Rick Smith's quarter. He was on fire. Um, Clark Kellogg uh, emphatically screamed, "Show him everything tonight, Rick!" I mean, he was just <laughs> he was he was he had all the moves out. Um, yeah, this is this is a good start uh, after weathering the storm for sure. Yeah, Big Fell's been the best player all series. He has, he has, and will continue mm-hmm. to be in lots of ways. Yeah, he ends up dropping 28 in this game. Um, kept in check on the boards, though. Uh, only, what do you have, five boards? Uh, so that's yeah. kind of a standard uh, Rick Smith's line. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> he was well, Brooke 28 Lopez is... before, before Brooke Lopez. <laughs> that's yeah. true, but 28 is a lot for old... Smiths, unless you're talking about this series, <laughs> like I don't, he didn't have like 28 a game in a season or anything. 
That's right. <clears throat> um, I thought this game started for us in the second quarter. I thought we really yep. came out. Um, you know, the part of the first quarter is weathering the storm. Uh, second quarter, we came out and punched him in the mouth. Just great intensity on defense and offense. Start with a 9-0 run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, the bench was missing some chippies. It could have been it could have been more. The bench comes in. Um, but they were getting rebounds and hustle plays and, and um, were effective in that, I thought. Yeah, Haywood Workman, super active. Yeah. Um, creating uh, turnovers and errant passes and whatnot from the Knicks. Uh, Chipson ends up 10 in this game, which was had to be his high output for the series. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Pacers are in, in full control of this game at some point. Um, I, I forget what the lead got up to in the second quarter, but six or seven at least, I would say. Uh, and then sort of don't close out the half very well, mm, if I'm no. remembering right. Things uh, we're up four at the end of the half. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we lost some. Uh, as, as Clark Kellogg said, uh, Reggie doesn't have rush hour handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically just coughed up the ball near the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. He said he it's he has more like early morning handle, <laughs> meaning it's not good in traffic. But. He also I, I, Clark was on fire in this game. Uh, there was this great play where Jackson throws from the wing to McKee, who cuts baseline and then tosses it to Smiths for a dunk. Um, and uh, Clark Kellogg says, "Bag them groceries." <laughs> so nice. shout out Clark Kellogg we miss you buddy uh, credit to the Knicks though I thought that the Knicks um, picked up their defense They did, it seems like throughout this series they go through these phases where they get in this like ridiculous lockdown defensive mode and the Pacers just can't do anything um, it reminded me a little bit of like uh, I mean, not to this degree, but like when when the Pacers, the the current day Pacers, would play against the Bucks, and there's just like everybody has a wingspan of like seven feet. Uh, when the Knicks are playing like active hands defense like that, especially when they have like you know their three six ten guys out there, it's just really hard to find angles, and the Pacers really struggle with that. Yeah, and that really kept them in the game. I thought. Well, you know, it's it's, it's tough to create movement. Um, especially when Rick Smith isn't off the floor because we've got like one shooter and <laughs> Haywood Workman's our only penetrator. It's like, mm-hmm. makes it tough. Yeah, no shooters. Uh, Starting the third quarter, uh, Mark Jackson airballs a jumper. We, mm. <laughs> uh, McKee was super broke. In the, I mean, I, he, his line is three of eight, but man, the shots he was missing were well, just... He shouldn't, yeah, he should like only be operating within four feet of the basket. <laughs> it was, it's, yeah. Although I it, it foreshadow, I mean, in, in game seven, he actually catches a little bit of fire. But otherwise, this this entire series, he's been fairly broke from anything jumper related. Um, not his yeah. Strength. Watching these old games, it's it. You know, Derek McKee was supposed to be our third scorer mm-hmm. for like it seemed like a decade. It was like, oh yeah, Derek McKee is going to be our third scorer this year. He's going to come around. He's going to come around. And it just never happened. Yeah, he never found his game, I don't think. 
Like, yeah, yeah. He never, he never was the. Th- I mean, I guess he technically was our third offensive player for sure. all those years, but um, he was really the guy that gave you the intangibles and the small stuff. Um, That's right. You know, if he could hit a three pointer, I mean, he'd have to in the modern era, right? I mean, he's just he's he's the three and D guy, um, but he just really can't hit threes in this in this era. Um, I thought I thought Smiths was putting on a clinic um, in this one. Uh, and especially in the third quarter, you feel like we've got a chance to win this one. For sure, yeah. Of course, we got a chance to win this one. We're uh, ahead. Yeah, by, we're up four. What four going into the fourth? Right in Madison Square Garden. That's a winnable game. Anytime you're that close in the fourth quarter uh, in a playoff game, that's a winnable game for sure. And. Uh, what did what did you think happened, Harper, in the fourth quarter? What there was a, uh, we were sort of in control. Was this the game where Clark Kellogg was getting super pissed because we started playing like super tentative? Uh, I don't remember which 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 fourth quarter fall apart was this. <laughs> okay, yeah, this was the first one that we watched this week. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a long time ago now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, again, you know. Uh, everything has to go through Smiths, right? So we just we, we end up with the ball out on the perimeter. Um, the Knicks try and push it out there. We're not moving the ball well. We don't have anybody who can create going into the paint. And when they do get there, they're surrounded by five, four, ten guys. They're not shy about collapsing their defense, um, but we don't have anybody who can hit a three when we get it out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides Reggie Miller. So. Um, I, I mean, they made it very tough for us, but we were doing a really poor job of moving the ball around the perimeter. Um, and I, I think this is the game where they started showing pretty aggressive double teams on Smiths, or was that a game six? It, no, no, it was. And and he, I thought he was, instead of going aggressively, because he knows the double team's coming, instead of going mm-hmm. aggressively to shoot, he started trying to pass out. And it led to a lot of turnovers and a lot of sloppy stuff. Um you know, just to attack the moment you get the ball. Um, but yeah, no, they they started. You know, they couldn't they couldn't handle him. He was on fire, so they just started doubling him, and it worked. <laughs> um, there's 11 yeah. uh, lead changes um, in the game with six minutes to go. So this is kind of a back and forth game. Um, and and I thought I thought Larry um, Brown did an interesting thing. So we didn't have Smiths or Reggie in to start the fourth quarter. Um, which is fairly typical, um, but in this game when you're up four, um, you're just trying to buy a little bit of time, and it seemed like a terrible idea, but it kind of worked. You know, it just was really ugly, sloppy ball where there were fouls and offensive boards and turnovers, and we didn't lose that much. No, I mean so, our bench did what they were supposed to do. They sort of held the line and. Yep. Yep. A little ugly basketball and uh, some stoppages of the clock were exactly what we needed for our stars to get rested and make a push. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, I guess I guess shout out Larry Brown. I, I, I was nervous about the call when he made it, but it, it kind of did work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the story of the fourth quarter was on the, the Knicks side of the ball. Anthony Mason just sort of took over. Um, and, you know, it was funny. I mean, I knew, of course, the results of the game coming into it, but... Uh, the Knicks were down, say, six or something like that. But they didn't look afraid, especially not Anthony Mason. He looked like he was ready to, to go to it, and he was. He got to the line a bunch of times, 
scored 13 in the quarter. Um, wait, is that right? Mm. Seven of eight from the line for the game. Anywho, we couldn't handle him. <laughs> no, he he fouls Derek McKee out. <laughs> yeah, no. he fouls Derek McKee out. Uh, he hits both free throws with 60 seconds left. Like, we, you know, we're down six at that point. Those are clutch, clutch threes or clutch free throws um, to keep us down by six. And then, then this is when it goes just I, – I had forgotten this part. So this is like crazy inbounds pass where there's just like a ton of loose balls, O-boards. The thing is just falling apart, and Reggie hits a long three on a broken play. So mm-hmm. we're within three. Ewing misses a, a shot, and on the, reba- uh, on the rebound, there's a jump ball. And we get the tip. Byron Scott gets the ball and takes a long – Ballsy three. I mean, he's just running full speed, and he's, I don't know, is he 30 feet from the basket? Um, and it goes, and we tie it up that, yeah. with six seconds to go. <laughs> it was a Steph Curry-esque three. Yeah. It was like, didn't Mark Jackson, like, flip him the ball or something like that? And then yeah. he just, like, took a dribble and was like, I got this. Don't yeah. worry, guys. Yeah. And this Even is from though a guy he's one who, of 40 from the series at this point. Yeah, he hadn't hit the broadside of the barn in the series. Like... Maybe what he had decided was uh, he didn't want to travel. So sure. just shoot. Because yeah, like, all he does is travel yeah. in this series. No, I'm, I'm wrong on this. Um, that that, that uh, was to take the lead. That's, right? Yeah, it gets us to go up one. And the notes I have is I have no idea what the score is because they won't show it, but I assume we were up by one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely something I'd forgotten about old timey basketball broadcasts. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. You got to keep your own box score, Harper. I mean, you, just <laughs> no stats available. Your like mental addition has to be on point. Yeah. Uh-huh. If there's not a timeout, you do not get a score update. This is just huge ballsy three, and they're like not going to tell you what the score is. It's fine. The the, the, the arena is freaking out, and the people on TV have no idea what it is. Um, so this is this leads to the final play, which I did remember. I did not remember Reggie's long three off total chaos, broken play, or uh, a jump ball that leads to that leads to uh, Byron Scott's big three that puts us up one. What I did remember was uh, Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. The uh, Jerry, uh, the announcer, uh, called two walks uh, before Ewing <laughs> releases the basketball. <laughs> In in real time, yeah. when you go back and look at it, because I remember I remember this week there was or not this week, but the two days or three days before the next game was all we did was watch the replay of of uh, Ewing traveling um, across the <laughs> lane and hits the game winner. I mean, it didn't look that bad on the on the yeah. on the broadcast that I was watching, but uh, the fidelity was uh, maybe not the highest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all might have been very swayed by Baker's call on that one. Yeah, yeah like, fair like, he walked. He walked again. Oh <laughs> yeah. man! No, I think it was, it was probably Star- a walk, but was it an NBA walk? Right. Yeah. So I think Starks walks before he gives it to Ewing, and then Ewing walks. I think that's why it was two two travels. Oh, okay, sure. In that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Ewing didn't walk twice. You're right. It, it, it's 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 probably an NBA basket. But I remember but that, that whole that whole that time. shot that he hits as a seven footer or seven two guy is pretty incredible. He like does a little spin move and then like a fadeaway jump shot. 
uh, and just cashes it. Yeah. yeah. Super confident. Like, I mean, that was, I think in these games five, six, and seven that we're going to talk about today, it was like quintessential Patrick Ewing minus the very last play of the series. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, he was playing at Hall of Fame level. Right. Um, because he had in, been in very bad in the first four games. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if he'd have been sure. playing the rest of the series like he did on that particular <laughs> set, yeah, no, we'd have never been in this thing. But I agree mm-hmm. with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, he looked more spry, I think, in this game. I think this was the game there had been, like, a three- or four-day gap or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they uh, shot Patrick Ewing up with whatever the cutting-edge... Uh, Morphine? Know, pushing the pushing the envelope uh, technology at the time was. So right. It wouldn't have been stem cells quite yet. It was, uh, yeah. Definitely painkillers and definitely, like, uh, cortisone. He got a cortisone shot, I bet, or whatever, in his calf. Because he looked way better. Yeah, he did look a lot better. Dale Davis did not look happy. No. no and and doesn't play a lot in the second half. Um, he's got a big old uh, wrap on his arm. Um, and, yeah. Because it was four days since his dislocation? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Step up, Dale. Come on, man. Here's the thing. It, by game six, he just has no brace at all. He's like, whatever, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, he does not. I mean, he doesn't look very happy in game six. Either. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he in game like, six, he was still wearing the brace. No, he, he, wasn't, wearing seven, the, he, no, he wasn't wearing the brace in game oh, six really? either because okay. I made a note of it. But he was but he clearly also in a lot of pain. He doesn't yeah. play a lot in the second half in this game either. I think okay. you know, they bring him out for this start these games and it's like, ooh. That was maybe a bad idea when you take a break. AD gets a lot of burn down the stretch in these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was a heartbreaker of a game, really, like, yeah, for the Pacers. Like oh, They went into to New York's barn, um, took a punch in the mouth, responded super well. Super well. And were in control of the game at some level before the wheels come off. But then even battle back after that, and unsung hero... Uh, Byron Scott, who had already hit a, a huge shot in franchise history sort of the year before, um, hits another huge shot, but then Patrick Ewing takes, takes it away. Takes it all away. And we go we go back to Indiana for game six. Uh, Joey, were you at this game? <laughs> <laughs> I think this was before my uh, season tickets. Oh, before your season tickets, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just used to asking you. Right now, so we we were watching this uh, probably on a on a VHS tape. That's my guess. So, yeah. You know, sometimes my parents would uh, record those um, and uh, and watch them later. Would you watch them the next day? Like you were a kid, you had to go to bed. I mean, this is '95. You were you're not a child. Yeah. You're in high school. Um, no, I would probably watch them live. But uh, but if uh, you know my parents were out doing something, you know, then okay. they would. You know, a program. You know, you got to schedule the VCR to record and just and just hope to God it does. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you probably were watching it in the same high fidelity that we watched this in. Yeah, and then there's also the, you know, there's also the uh, potential issue of somebody taping over what you taped mm. over. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, there was a whole system for that. <laughs> <laughs> and a good system it was. You you had to program it for like an extra. Oh yeah, hour because you're oh, like, what if it goes into overtime? Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. Do you remember this game though, Joe? Uh, in in real time? Uh, no, I mean not, not. Uh, not game six. No, not game six. No. I remember bits and pieces of each of these games. Like I would keep having these deja vu moments of like, right, right. oh yeah, I, re- I remember that one specific like weird. Haywood Workman play. Yeah, it's weird like, the stuff you do remember. It's yeah. <laughs> not necessarily the important stuff at all. No, right. No, no, yeah, no. but it's funny. I think one of the reasons Haywood Workman is, is you know, on my top 25 Pacer list, and I, and I think I described him as the reason for the top 25 list, um, because he does a ton of really important stuff in the series, and I remembered it real time, and, and it kind of stuck with me. Uh, he was great in Game 5. I mean, he he just was really good, um, and you know does the little things in this game, and also hits big shots throughout the series, um, coming off the bench. So um, it's funny the stuff you remember, and that's what's affected my top twenty-five apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good thing he did play pretty well because Marcus just uh, Marcus struggled for large swaths of the series. So I think that's f- fair to say large swaths because <laughs> you could just say the entire time. <laughs> I guess he did have he that one game where he had ten assists. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember like that. That stuff I don't remember. Uh, Jackson, Jackson not, struggling like that. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I, I, you know, I remember him just being a baller and and uh, you know getting stuff done. I definitely remember Workman doing, you know, you know doing good stuff. But like, I mean, yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah, I forgot how bad. Jackson was a as a defender. I mean, mm-hmm. like, yeah, if we had lived cool. in the Twitter era, it, there would have been memes going around of him as like a a, <laughs> a guy that fights bulls, just like Ole. Matter to her. Thanks. Uh, yeah, he just can't say in front of anybody. I mean, Ridiculous. James Harden wishes he played right now, so that it, it's take a little heat off him. <laughs> right, right. Because that's the thing. I mean, Mark Jackson is this just wonderful floor general, but like. You can't guard anybody, and they, they. I mean, you know, he's not seeing minutes in these fourth quarters because Larry Brown can't trust him defensively. Yeah, for sure. Not to mention, in a, several of these games, he wasn't doing, wasn't doing the floor general type things like making good decisions and like set, you know, he's and doing the exact opposite, making horrible yeah, decisions. Yeah, generally not doing a good job <laughs> of getting two feet in the paint and then doing something good, right? Like right. right. So this game, he's got 10 points, uh, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and only 1 turnover on uh, 3 of 9 shooting, 1 of 4 from the range. Uh, this is definitely not his worst game. No. Yeah. No, no, no. I thought he was solid in this game. I thought the Pacers in this game um, were decent. I mean, the third quarter I mean, killed us. I mean, you go into the break relatively even, right? Yeah. Yes. I can't do math We're on that game fast. 6, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're uh, we're up forty three, forty two. Okay, there you go. Yeah, uh, and then just come out and and New York just puts it on us. I mean, in the third quarter, like they came out with an intensity everything. that they hadn't had the whole series, right? Um, in our house. Yeah, in our house. Patrick Ewing just doing as I mentioned before. Just Ewing looked us. great. Yeah, twenty five points, fifteen boards. He could do whatever he wanted. In the low post, like he had it going. We couldn't buy a bucket in that third. I, I outside of Smits, who was I, I wrote down Smits as a flamethrower. 
Um, he was on fire early. Um, but then he gets this uh, bad uh, Dick Pavetta call uh, where Ewing just runs through Smiths and Smiths yeah. gets the, you know. That was pretty and, hilarious. Yeah, and he has to sit down. <laughs> and that, that, that caps off a 17-3 to run by the Knicks. Yeah. yeah. But, Which, you know, in fairness to the rest, they then made like four bizarre calls our way right after that to make up for. So it's all cool, right? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Well, there was a run for sure, and 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 I, part of that was the refs, but also part of it was Smiths and Reggie just go nuts. So Smiths comes out in the fourth quarter, hits two big shots. Reggie hits a three. Then they start playing the Reggie Smiths two man game, um, where you know the pick and roll, um, you know, or the pass into the post, and uh, it's really effective. Um, yeah, we we get back in this game. Uh, because Smiths and Reggie in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, it seems like once you're doubling Smiths, shouldn't just he be in the low block and uh, Reggie be in the corner and they just pass it back and forth? Like It's kind of what, yeah. yeah isn't that's, that just that's, your entire game plan at that it's point? It's what I'm saying. I'm not sure why we didn't do it more. Like, they did this thing where they were, like, running Reggie off of a screen off, you know, Dale and then, or I don't think. Staggered I, screen. Yeah, yeah. staggered screen. It wasn't Dale at that point. And then off Smits, and then he pops open. And then if he's not open, he just throws it to Smits. And, like, we got, like, a bunch of points off that. I'm like, okay, how is this not our whole offense? How do we have McKee shooting, you know, freaking yeah. 20-footers? Yeah, it's sometimes same. we made things a little bit more complicated than that. We definitely did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, we just got dismantled in that third. It was just... uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Third was rough. Yeah. And I thought the Knicks um, in this game also had, like, timely three-point shooting. You know, it seemed like when the Pacers were making a little push, like, you get a random Greg Anthony or Hubert Davis three or something like that. Oh, like, Charles, really? Charles Oakley hits two oh, three-pointers. Yeah, Oakley two three-pointers in this game. He'd only hit uh, three all year long. Is that right? Yeah. All yeah, year long. I think so. It's yeah, two there in the was game. A, yeah, he was shooting more than I, he was shooting more than I like longer. Yeah, shots he was. I, I remember. It's like a modern day stretch four. He also was playing like a beast in the like this game and game seven. Um, really the whole series. I mean, like Oakley was. Oakley is good. He was a BA. Yeah. Yeah. Oakley is yeah. very good. Oh, show. So the Pacers, yeah, just made some pushes, but could, just really couldn't. Well, uh, I thought we made it very interesting. Um, we got within whatever, you know, three, five. Um, but, and, and the crowd was going absolutely bonkers. Like, I, I appreciate them for, like, not losing interest in the third quarter when the, when the team was getting blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowd was still losing oh, they shit. They weren't losing interest. They were throwing shit on the floor again. Yes, they were again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I we, mean, what we... would you have them do, Jason? <laughs> Team's not playing well. I don't know. I just it just uh, pains me when there's video evidence of like what I think is our very uh, sophisticated basketball Indiana fans and they're just like, just like losing their minds and throwing things because the they don't know what else to do. <laughs> Yeah, we, we basically started to force Smiths, and it didn't work. Turned in a lot of turnovers. Um, I've, I've got three empty possessions in a row. Um, and then Reggie tries to steal a pass from Starks, and uh, mm, the, yeah, gamble. the gamble. Yep. Yeah, the gamble, uh, Starks hits it. And um, that's kind of the end. We just couldn't execute offensively in the fourth. Uh, you know, the Knicks' defense is really good, 
And, you know, we also got in our own heads a little bit. Like, they weren't giving us Smiths, and we didn't have a backup plan. Yep. Shot 35% of the game. Yeah, mm. not going to be a lot of teams doing that. It's no. not, yeah, you're not going to win basketball games. Uh, we scored 82 points. Also not going to win a lot of um, playoff games doing that, unless it's the mid-2000s. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're ahead of our time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We could have beat the uh, Pistons with that kind of score. That's right. All right. Let's take five, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes and uh, come with the exciting conclusion. That is the 1995 (laughs) Eastern Conference semifinals. (laughs) Woo! Shout out. What will happen? From the break, and before we get into Game Seven, want to do my stat of the week. Ooh, Joey, stat of the week. You know this one's uh, this one is a little meta, but it's episode four fifty. Mm. And I was thinking, what what does the world think that uh, is special about the the number four fifty? So we got a couple things for you guys. Let me let me let me know what you think about this. Uh, uh, the first one is uh, is uh, CCs, as in like the size of an engine for like a, a dirt bike mm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a it's a pretty common. It's a big one, I think. But uh, uh, four fifty, it's a common expression for one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's the area code um, near Montreal. What else we got? Uh, it is a bus route that runs from Boston to Salem, Massachusetts. Get down to those witch trials. Yeah. Yep. If you want to get to, you want to take public transportation to the witch trials. <laughs> um, <laughs> How you do? Uh, and uh, it's also a, a bus route in Schenectady. If I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in, in New York. So what you're saying is 450 is not that great. Uh, I mean, from what I can tell, at the end of this list, we should be number one at the list. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Because it's not the bus system. It's just a single route. So, meh. Yeah, Something I thought you change. were going to get in some real numerology 
stuff, you know, like, you know, in Hebrew, you would write the word on the Beatables this way, and that adds up to 450 or something. Ooh. You know? I did see some, uh, uh, the, some, of, some of my research took me to places that I was not familiar with, uh, such as a- angel numbers. Uh, y'all familiar with angel numbers? Um, It's a... I'm guessing there's a group of people out there that believe that angels are trying to communicate with us via numbers, uh, as far as I can tell. So angels Um, are nerds? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The the explanation I got was uh, something like, um, if you keep seeing uh, specific numbers, there's a reason it's an angel trying to... Uh, communicate with you. Uh, so, what would an angel be trying to tell us with 450? Uh, so, let's see here. We've got. Um, so, the number 450 is made up of the vibrations and mm, oh attributes of the number four and five, and the influences of number zero. Um, there's a lot more going on here, but it tells you to put your efforts towards the things in your life that they embrace and enhance who you truly are and your lifestyle choices and your life in general. So you should put your efforts towards your lifestyle choices and your life in general. Mm-hmm. But only if you see the number 450. If not, yes, yeah, then do not put your efforts into, into your lifestyle or it, life energy. Don't do that. Hyper, yeah, I mean, this is too, almost too on the nose. It's a little bit too specific. <laughs> Makes me uh, suspicious of this website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what are, are the energies of four and five? Um, uh, let's see here. I used to, you know, I used to know these. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Let's so, do number a quick f- refresher. You know. Number four brings its influences of effort and will, patience and persistence, realistic values, ability and stability. Service and devotion. This is a lot of stuff. That is a lot of things. It's basically There's actually all the things. M- more. Uh, Let's pick up f- patience. That makes sense because we're in 450. It's that's the energy oh, yeah. that's bringing here. Sure. The fans have uh, patience with us. Is what you're saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our loved ones have patience with us. Uh, number five uh, it adds its vibrations of making life's choices and important changes. Adaptability, versatility, resourcefulness. You know, I think with that, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many different places this podcast has been recorded, mostly from John Colson's side, but uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of resourcefulness. Uh, you know, you, you've parked outside like a coffee shop That's on the true. road somewhere. That's true. Uh, we've heard you uh, uh, with birds chirping in the background because you're like at a beach or I don't know where you were. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of. Uh, it was like in the Bahamas or something. Yeah, somewhere in the, he was in the ocean. Th- wasn't that like before you were going to take like a boat trip across? Yeah, uh, it was before a sail. Yeah. Yeah, the Bermuda Triangle or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I came back. And somehow you made it back. Hmm. And the last, the last number here to round out uh, the energy flowing through this episode is... Um, uh, number zero carries the influences of the God Force and universal energies, eternity, infinity, oneness, wholeness, continuing cycles and flow, the beginning point, potential, and or choice. It also amplifies the energies and vibrations of the numbers it appears with. 
So it just uh, cranks up number four and five to 11. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, it also relates to developing your personal spirituality and your spiritual gifts. You know, I think a lot of us, uh, after watching this game seven, um, became, a, you know, part of the Pacer religion. <laughs> That's right. True believers. All right, what a segue. You said it there, Joey. A sports fan's two most favorite words. Game seven. Game seven, baby. We're here. It's deja vu all over again. Back in the garden for game seven against the Knicks. Uh, and this was a heck of a one. It 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 lived up to it. Uh, before we get into it, one of the things that I thought was sort of interesting... Um, the crowd, I don't know if it was the feed we had. So this game, the, the YouTube feed that we watched was from uh, NBC uh, with Marv Albert and Matt Gookus on the call again. <laughs> the gook. The gooks. They're drafted number nine by the Philadelphia 76ers in 1966, we mm. learned during the game. Uh, <laughs> and Marv Albert, the <laughs> regular play-by-play guy for the Knicks, so... I think as all Pacers fans, we really feel like he's just cheering for the Knicks um, as we're watching the game. But I kind of felt like the energy in Madison Square Garden uh, coming through this 25-year-old VCR thing that's been uploaded onto the interwebs, (laughs) and now we're watching it, was uh, skittish or... uh, Nervous? Nervous? Uh, Yeah. I, I thought, got, was, like, a I thought the energy. crowd was super nervous in this game, yeah. didn't you? Mm, for sure. Like from the tip and all the way through the entire game, like uh, very very quiet. The, the The game starts off um, akin to Game Five, basically. Uh, both teams going at it, scoring a ton of points. That's thirty four to twenty eight again after the first quarter. This, was this time in the Pacers' favor. Was this one but, of the more entertaining quarters of this entire series? Like, Both teams were just like yeah, nailing like it. it yeah, like it felt like modern offense. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the referees like decided to swallow the whistles a little bit. Um, either that, or the the guys were a little bit less physical because nobody wanted to get into foul trouble mm-hmm. in this game. Little column um, A, little column B. Yeah, yeah. But you can't have the big foul and get into foul trouble early on national TV in a game seven. So, right. That's right. Yeah, and and uh, both uh, Rick Smiths and Reggie were on fire again. Like this is like best case scenario for us. Our best two players just come out of the gate just on fire. It's freaking awesome. Well, for the Knicks, I mean, it was like um, superstars against superstars, right? Patrick Ewing comes out on fire as well, right? Um, ready to carry his his squad. Um, and really, he's the only superstar on that team. I guess. Sure, <laughs> right. Well, one of the things that I, this was, uh, I don't know if they discussed it during the broadcast, but, or whether I just remembered it from the time, but like, or from a previous game, that, that, that Larry Brown's just call to do a fast break because the Knicks defense is so good in the half court that you got to push the fast break. And like, this mm-hmm. is one of those quarters where we do it. Like, there's just a ton of fast breaks uh, on the Pacers, and it, it leads to scoring. Um, mm hmm. And, you know, um, of course it's going to bog down later because this is a game seven. But in this in this yeah. opening quarter, like, um, it's just beautiful basketball to watch. 
Yeah, you don't get to 34 in this era without some easy looks. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Jackson, you know, we spent a little bit of time talking about Jackson and his uh, troubles in this series, but I thought he was quite effective in this game for the most part, um, especially early on. Um, getting out in transition, getting into the lane, um, finding guys. Uh, he really shown in this game, he 10, 8, and 8. Uh, with three steals and zero turnovers. Oof. This was a Mark it's a, Jackson game. This is a near triple-double. That's nice. Yeah. And he was, like, basically every possession in guys' faces, like, telling them exactly what he needed from them. You know, uh, later in the game, Smits commits his fourth foul or fifth foul, maybe, or something like that, and Jackson is immediately over to him, like, keep your head in the game. We're going to need you later. Like... Um, Super a floor general for sure in this game. Yeah, Pacers up six after one. Uh, second quarter is a bit sloppier. The benches come in and and aren't nearly as sharp. Uh, I thought, um, especially the Knicks bench, basically does nothing. Anthony Mason is a non-factor basically in this game, which I didn't really understand. He wasn't really aggressive. They weren't getting him the ball. They didn't even do a lot of the stuff throughout the series. One of the things that surprised me was how much Pat Riley put the ball in Anthony Mason's hands at the top of the key and let him be sort of the point forward guy. Yeah, He'll bring it Usually up. Usually a pretty good success. Yeah, and they didn't do it a lot in this game. They sort of went away from it, which I didn't really understand. Uh, but so we get to halftime, and the Pacers are up four going into the half which is uh, you got to be a happy camper if yeah, you're a Pacers fan. Yeah, on the road, fan. game seven, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Uh, notable stars in the crowd in this game that they showed us uh, in the first half. Uh, Woody Harrelson, of course, there with with Sunyi, his stepdaughter. Woody Allen. But yeah. Woody, is that Woody what Allen. I said? Woody Harrelson, you said. Oh, whoops, sorry. Yeah, Woody <laughs> Allen. Sorry. <laughs> Do love Woody, Woody Allen, Allen too. Uh, yeah. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, God forbid he'd be there with a Woody Allen stepdaughter. That'd be weird. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's Woody Allen stepdaughter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, the the uh, I don't even want to use an adjective because I'll get in trouble. Uh, Donald Trump in the building. Mm. President, future mm. president, future president Donald Trump in the building. All the stars out. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Third quarter. Colson, I know you got Buku notes on this. I do, um, but not until the end of the third quarter. Um, okay. The, gotcha. So the Knicks go on a 17-7 to run, uh, yep. basically, to just blow us out. They just come out of halftime and just kick our bots. Um, and then Reggie is Reggie. Um he scores 11 of the last 13 points for the team, uh, finishing the quarter. Um, I really felt like, you know, they took the the hit in the mouth from the Knicks, and then they responded. Largely, Reggie did. I mean, he superstar being a superstar. But also, I thought the, the ball movement was really good near the end of the quarter. Unfortunately, we end the quarter poorly. Um, with uh, McKee missing a three, there's an outlet. And then uh, Workman... I think hits is it Starks maybe 
Um, yeah, it was and, Stokes, yeah. Yeah, and then Reggie misses a three to end the quarter. Uh, we're still up five going into the fourth, so if you're a Pacer fan, um, you know, uh, it could be worse, but yeah. we'd also could have been way better if we hadn't uh, just kind of screwed up the end of that quarter. I mean, we won the quarter. It just didn't feel like it. Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. We came out uh, from the break quite good, actually, I thought. Um, extended the lead up to not to a 12 ten. at one yeah, point, Yeah, 10 or 12, yeah. yeah. And we were like 9 to 11 for like a good five-minute stretch there or something like that. And then, yeah, again, one of these um, swells by the Knicks on the defensive end. They like really, you know, Pat Riley finally got through to them at a timeout, and they came out and like really put the clamps down. And got themselves back into it. Patrick Ewing playing like a an a, an absolute beast. Like he was just grabbing rebounds and um, you know being dominant on the offensive end. Derek Harper hitting a couple huge back to back threes. Um, yeah, Starks as you mentioned making like super awesome plays and stuff like that. So we said uh, that uh, Ewing was bad in these uh, first four games, but he's good in these three games. His line yep. in this game is absolutely brilliant. Uh, 29 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks, um, 3 turnovers. But uh, Stays out of foul trouble. 43 too. minutes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just fantastic. Definitely showed up for a big game. Yeah. 12 to 23 from the floor. Mm. An absolute beast. And then in the fourth quarter, everybody gets a little tight, it seemed like. Um Stats, shots aren't aren't going down like they used to. Um, the Knicks are, are getting into it a little bit more. They actually like crawl up, um, tie the game, and then take the lead on a Patrick Ewing free throw. They're up one. Uh, at this point, uh, Matt they come back from commercial break. Actually, I guess it was before uh, Ewing hit the three. And Matt, Matt Gook, they show you know Stark celebrating and all this stuff and. And Matt Gukas is talking about how the Knicks are in uh, feeling the momentum and are are in control of this game or something like that. Like it's like, dude, it's a tie game. <laughs> not. We've been that up sounds the like Bill Walton. Game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, well, I, I thought when uh, Smiths picked up his fifth foul, um, yep. our offense that was definitely struggled. Yeah, that hurt. Um, yeah. yeah, and and then you know shortly after that, the Knicks take their their first lead with seven minutes to go. Yeah, when Nick's when when Smith is on the bench, the Knicks outscore us by I don't know twenty in this series or something. So. Yeah, exactly. Whatever they want. I think it was at least twenty in this game. In my- like they showed us that at some point, and it was like twenty five to seventeen or something like that when he was on the bench. Um, Larry brings him back with like five and a half minutes left or something like that with five fouls, and Rick does a great job. I thought of getting out of the um, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Contesting just enough, but, but but also being effective and like, you know, allowing us to run our offense through him yeah. in the post or whatever, right? Uh, even though I thought that the offense got pretty st- stagnant in a way for sure for several possessions, it definitely it, did. it was almost like they were just really trying to force feed Rick Smiths to to make something happen. Which, given the way he had played in the series, I suppose that makes sense. The, the, so, as we're going to the stretch, I thought there were a few key plays, but one of them was um, 
McKee hits a three. Uh, he gets mm-hmm. um, he gets hot from three, and they, well, I guess he's two of three. He but two. Yeah, but it I mean, felt for him, like he that was is on, just on fire. <laughs> exactly, it felt like he was on fire, and it was really timely. Um, it's like I, I, I don't know, um, three or four minutes left to go in the game, puts us up two with that three, mm-hmm. um, and then um, with three and a half minutes left, there's a fast break, and AD gets absolutely clobbered. Um, mm-hmm. it's, they call it Derek a f- flavor, flagrant foul, and um, he hits both free throws, and then Smiths hits a jumper. So that's a four point play. So mm-hmm. within a span of a minute or a minute and a half, um, we get seven points from those two plays, and it really uh, probably gave us enough to get out of this game. I felt like that was kind of the pivotal stretch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it still comes down to the absolute wire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before we get to that, we had mentioned um, Dale Davis obviously struggling with the separated shoulder. He showed up in this game, um, super active on the boards, contributes 14 points uh, and seven rebounds. Those weren't all Even dunks a jump either. shot. Yeah, he had point, jump shots. <laughs> it's crazy. Shout out, Dale. Shout out, Dale. Faux show. Okay, and then now we get down to the stretch, and uh, Colson, do you want to set the scene? Because I'm not, my memory's going to fail me. Sure. Um, so everybody's sphincters are tight, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Spike Lee is super pissed about a wet spot on the floor, and he's yelling at the refs. They have to oh, stop right. play. Is it, was that related? Steve Javi to the, was was obsessed because somebody had spilled their coke there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the earlier in the game, and they keep coming back. And Jason Kidd also at this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the Knicks are coming on strong. Uh, Oakley does an emphatic block on Smiths um, with about I don't know two and a half minutes to go, and the crowd really starts to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to burn a timeout on an inbounds play coming out of that. Um, we looks like we're starting to panic. The crowd's just getting getting bailed frenzied. out on a on a, a call. Anthony Mason basically baits the shit out of Smiths on that very mm-hmm. next play, and we got lucky they called a foul because right. it was very borderline in my mind. Um, so Smiths hits both, and we're up five with a minute fifty to go. Right? Is that about right? Mm-hmm. Um. And then Ewing misses uh, Mason O'Board layup, so they're within three. Smiths hits a big jumper. Um, answers. Uh, we're up 97-92 with a minute 18 to go. And then Starks answers with a huge three. With 30 seconds to go, they're within two. We come mm-hmm. down the floor. Kind of a broken play. Mark Jackson misses a leaner. Uh, five More seconds. than a broken play. That was uh, <laughs> they. <laughs> so of course we're going to try to run the clock a right, lot. Right, so right, that right. was a big part of it. Sure, but that was not good execution at all. I, the, the I guess the Knicks took away it, options A and B, and then we're just left with Mark Jackson trying to create something out of nowhere. Well, right. I mean. I guess options A or B were four guys standing in the low and high post and not moving at all. I mean, yeah. Well, they were eventually they tried to run Reggie around a, the staggered screen thing again, but the Knicks, of course, saw that coming, so they fronted it, 
and prevented that pass from happening. And so then Jackson's just stuck with the ball, yeah. basically. I mean, it's just, you know, he stood there, you know, back to the basket for 14 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked them to get into it quicker. Yeah, I agree. And then does he, does he pass it to McKee or Smits, who uh, panics and throws it back to him, where he has to flip it up? One I or the think other. it was McKee, because I think they took everything away from... Yeah. If it was Smits, it was Smits on the high post. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, Smith stepped out and and took it. But yeah, he basically throws up a floater from sixteen feet. Yeah, yeah. And it and it and we're surrounded by four Knicks when he floated it up, and it's super short. Mm-hmm. Um, just rims right back into uh, Nick possession, uh, and that's five seconds to go. So. The uh, New York Knicks are only down two in their building with five seconds to go. Yes. And all of Indianapolis is thinking, well, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Pat Riley calls up a... Who knows what they called up? I couldn't tell if this was the play that they called or um, this is just what happened. But uh, they run some action. Pat Riley comes to the top of the key, gets the ball... Not Pat Riley, um, that's the coach. Oh, he was oh, at the sorry. top of the key. <laughs> Patrick Ewing. <laughs> running up and down that sideline, something fierce. <laughs> Comes to the top of the key, gets the ball. Uh, the Pacers had done a switch, which I don't think they intended to do. And so now they have McKee and Jackson, maybe, or something like that, or like doubling Patrick Ewing. Regardless of the fact that they're double teaming him, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing is able to just spin Split out of him. this with yeah. no trouble. Yeah. Um, take one dribble and then glide to the basket. He has basically an open layup. There's no one there. He, Dale Davis hasn't jumped. It. There's nobody there. Yeah, Dale, right. Dale tries to body up on him there at the end, but right. But he's a little late. Of, yeah. It basically layup. Yeah. Finger roll and just I don't know what Patrick Ewing did. He just it back ironed it. Back ironed it. Yeah. He short armed it. He like didn't. Yeah. And so it just floats and hits the back iron. It comes out. Dale Davis rebound. Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> if he's a step closer, he dunks that one-handed, but he's a step too far away, right? Well, so yeah, to hear Patrick Ewing tell it, I, th- I think his story is that he was indecisive about whether to try and dunk it or not. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of changed his shot Mid, mid-air. Mid-air, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it didn't go. So it bounces out, and, and what was that... Uh, Jason? Uh, Ding dong, the witch is dead. (laughs) Ring the bell, I believe is what he says first. Ring the bell. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Oh. Which is the classic Mark Boyle call on the radio, which uh, there's, yeah, we can link to a YouTube where they've linked, you know, synced it up. Absolutely amazing. Which he apparently hates that call. Really? I mean, yeah. He he thinks it's uh, contrived. He's like, you know, I, I like to be a fan of spontaneity, but that was one of the few times that I had sort of it had been rattling around in my brain as like what I would say if we actually like beat the Knicks. And he was like, and it seemed forced, like when I listened back to it. And oh, boy. And stuff. But of he's, course, it's like one yeah, of my favorite. Worked for us. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a, one of the reasons he's great is because he's a, a tough self-critic, probably. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, th- this is the moment that I um, jumped in my uh, friend's pool with all my clothes on. 
I was I was so excited. We were we were we had this setup where we were, uh, had a TV in the pool barn, so it wasn't I didn't have to run that far. Just open the door and jump in the pool. Um, sure. Ruined a wallet and stuff, but it was totally worth it. Was this a, a completely spontaneous action? Yes. Or oh, yeah, you yeah, had yeah. similar to Mark Boyle planned before, <laughs> like if we beat the Pacer. Or no, the I didn't know what to do. I just did. I just had so much joy. I didn't know what to do. I just freaked, <laughs> freaked out. Yeah. And the, the here's what's funny. I had remembered this, and I, I you're, you're talking about the the memories from this long ago. Um, my my memory was that Smits hit a three pointer um, in this game down the stretch, and I wonder if that's later in the series against Orlando. Looking back, it was the shot that he hit, the, the really pivotal jumper he hits to put us up five. Mm. But I also have a memory that's connected to jumping in the pool, where he hits a three pointer. I do remember for sure that it was when Patrick Ewing missed the layup. But I had conflated those things into the same game, so we'll have to figure out what game that is. Yeah, that, well, it's funny you say that because I had conflated the ding dong, the witch is dead uh, thing with the shot that Rick Smith hits in the next series against Orlando to win Game Four. I think it is. Okay, he hits this like, like the Memorial Day. Uh, was that the Memorial Day? No, miracle? Memorial Day is Miracle is uh, the year before against. Okay. Uh, against Orlando. See, we've completed well, so the, all these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But for some reason in my head, that shot got conflated with the uh, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead thing. Hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, but I knew that it was a shot that when we, or it was a thing where we had finally defeated the Knicks. Of course, that's what it had to be. Sure. But in my head. Because that was the was, third year in a row that we played them in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. And we did it. We did it. We did it. Uh, Reggie Miller uh, gets his um, he gets in the Hall of Fame uh, largely on um, big moments in playoff games. Like yes, incredibly long career and consistent career for sure. Um, but he showed up in this game. Uh, Twenty nine mm-hmm. points, ten of eighteen shooting, three of five from the range. Um, and uh, 17 glares at <laughs> Spike Lee. That's right. That's right. For the series, uh, Reggie Miller, 22.6 points, equaled by Rick Smith in this series. 22.6 points a game and 6.4 rebounds. I was surprised that that number was that low for Rick Smith. I really thought that he dominated this series. He had two uh, kind of average games that were still like 17 or 19 exactly but that pulled it down yeah and he was in foul trouble like 90 percent of the time yeah if you got two fouls in the second quarter he wasn't allowed to play until the third or if you got two fouls at any point in the the first first quarter right exactly yeah 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 also shot 60 percent which pretty good for the big man yes Harper, you were you were saying before that this is probably the uh, series of his career. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? I mean, if it weren't for bad feet, man. Yeah, mm. yeah. Shout out Rick Smiths for winning this series for us. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. 
Indeed. All right. Well, that was a fun. Uh, that was fun reliving that. I thought. Did you? Uh, did you guys enjoy that, or was this just a? <laughs> yeah, I like it, man. For sure. It's, Too much uh, low fidelity uh, video. No, it's like it's getting a second look at uh, you know what we all remember, you know from our from our youth. That's uh, that's a nice trip down memory lane. It's cool to see too, like how the you know. The game is a different game now. Yeah, so. it is. That was weird back then. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep. I mean, for me, it's like kind of hard to keep um, contextually, like what's okay and what's not okay. Because sometimes people just get there's bodies on the floor and like nobody bats an eye. But then, uh, you know, today that you know you'd be you'd be uh, in handcuffs for some of that stuff, <laughs> <laughs> right? There was a lot less like bitching at the refs though. Which mm-hmm. I did enjoy that mm-hmm. aspect of it. Uh, Physical, but yeah, nobody's complaining really that much. I, I would like to find a balance between the the score is constantly there for us to see, and the score is like there once every t- twelve minutes or something like that. There's got to be a happy medium we can find <laughs> where we can like maybe just update us on what the score <laughs> is like every now and then. <laughs> That's fine, but I did like. You know, nothing that like no other mm-hmm. distractions there. You're just watching ball, and you're like, awesome. Uh, I do miss uh, this. Made me, even though I love Chris and Quinn, it did make me reminiscent for Clark Kellogg. I yep. mean, that guy was so amazing. Got to squeeze the orange. If you want to get some juice, <laughs> that's right. I uh, know. I love this. This this um, it reminded me how bad my memory is, but also how much I actually do remember. Um, the, the, these there's a lot of stuff that came back for me this is this is a really um for me um probably the most influential series that turned me from you know i had sort of bandwagon fanned the team in the the year before against the knicks that was this sort of national press where in the eastern conference finals i sort of get on board i followed them the whole next year but but beating the Knicks this series is really what solidified me, you know. Mm. Um, if we'd lost, maybe I'd still be a bandwagon fan. Who knows? This is this was a, this is a great moment in my fandom for sure. For completeness sake, I guess we should tell the fans um, if they t- haven't looked up already. Uh, the Pacers go on to to face the Orlando Magic in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, a very young uh, Shaquille O'Neal. And a dynamic Penny Hardaway, if anybody's interested and curious about uh, Penny Hardaway, who who had a um, what do you call it? It was a meteoric career. He came in hot and was super amazing, and then derailed by injuries, um, but was super good. Pacers pushed them to seven games in this series. Um, really, I thought went toe to toe with them, if I remember right. Yep. Um, it was like a, a series. It was a matchup game, basically. Rick Smiths had to deal with Shaquille O'Neal, right? Who I'm got re- him into foul trouble every game, and it was like, if he could avoid foul trouble, we were fine. Reggie Miller went nuts in this series, if I remember right. Uh, and we get to this this penalty or this this game seven that's going to be like, okay, we're ri- okay, let's do it. Well, we had blown the them out in just, game six. We'd blown them the out. The Pacers just get demolished yep. in game seven. Yep. 
absolutely demolished. Lose by twenty, and it was it was the most deflating thing ever. It was, like, it was demolished. Yeah. 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 Because when you're a team in the Eastern Conference in the Jordan era, and you're decent, and there's a window of two. Well, I guess at this time we thought Jordan was done, right? No, Jordan was back this year. That's right. Jordan had. Yeah, Orlando beats uh, the Bulls with Jordan. That's right. So you have this sense in your brain that you're like, okay, we better do it this year because Jordan's going to be fully uh, operational Death Star next year. So, Uh, but we didn't do it, and then Jordan took the next three titles. Yeah, and then Shaq took the three titles after that. Well, no, I guess there was San Antonio in between, but Duncan took one. Yeah, yeah. Well, but at least for this series, we were the best team. Screw the Knicks. I don't think they ever recovered. (laughs) Patrick Ewing never did. No. No, and it was it was a huge turning point from the point from the standpoint of uh, yeah when you can slay a team that you've been defeated by in the playoffs year after year after year and you do it in a game seven on their floor Mm -hmm. like that just gives not only that team for that year a ton of confidence but the franchise going forward i think was altered in a way like Mm -hmm. that's an extreme level of confidence i think the only next level is you know winning a championship and then you feel like okay we can do this we can we can do all the things Someday, once we get back to basketball. That's right. What well, if we have this? Uh, <clears throat> I, I still have hope for playoff basketball. They're all going to Disney World. And uh, Oladipo is more ready than the rest of them. So maybe this year. You never know. What, uh, why is he more ready? I don't know. Because he's, he's Oladipo. Because he likes Disney. Oh. And he loves Disney. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, He's going to be you know right what? at home. Because Goofy Movie's his favorite movie. He's going to hang out with Goofy? Is there a Goofy Movie ride or something? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so, but I hope he rides it uh, immediately before every game. Or after both. Or in the middle. I don't know. I think we've got to do it soon before Kevin Durant gets healthy. And there's like a, a window. I did see um, there's some reports that if no matter what happens this season, this this season, uh, the Nets will not play him. Okay, that's probably the smart thing to do. So we've got to, yeah, you're right. We got to do it this this season. Just do it now. Whatever. If there's an asterisk next to it, whatever, man. I don't think there will be. If we, well, who knows? <laughs> knows what it looks like. Yeah, we're in asterisk territory. <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> we're we're in the largest asterisk you could possibly think of territory. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but people still say the Spurs won five titles, and they don't say, but one of them was an asterisk. Unless you, what was their look asterisk? It up. when they were in their their fifty game season, their first title lockout. Yeah, but. It's a lockout year. Like we lost to a freaking Knicks team without Patrick Ewing, and even though we were way better, that was an asterisk year for sure. I mean, if it was the only one that the Spurs had won, 
people would mention right. it all the time. That's a good point. That's <laughs> okay. A good point. Okay. But now it's just if one on were, there. If, the, if we case. had won the title that year, yeah, we'd definitely have an asterisk. You know? Yeah. Even though we probably were odds on favorites. Going we were, I yeah, I feel like we were the best team. And then we just got unlucky because the Knicks were uh, had played shitty um, during the regular season, so they we didn't play an eighth seed. Uh, also, four point play. Yeah, that didn't help. No. All right. Well, uh, that was fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah. Uh, tweet in fans if there's a series uh, or game that you want us to. Uh, yeah, we could just do single games if you want. Go back to the vault and visit. Let us know. Oh, sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and and to you guys, uh, happy 450. Happy 450! Happy 450. Shout out to the uh, angels. Shout dropping out. Dropping those numbers. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. If you see the number 450 all over the place, it means... You're either listening to too much or too little Undebeatables. Yeah. One of the two. And also, you should try it your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Make an effort. Put the efforts into the force of your existence of efforts. <laughs> well put. You guys want to know? That's kind of what that website said. <laughs> That's going to be the title what? if I can if it's, it's if I can figure out what you just said. <laughs> so by chance, if we get to uh, episode thirty three sixteen, which Colson knows hashtag squad goals. Let's do this. <laughs> Colson A probably thinks we're going to be in a ditch by then. Oh, we definitely will be in a ditch by 3316. I promise. <laughs> but it brings a message to shift your focus from the financial and material aspects of your world, Colson, to your inner spirituality and to what you really want to do with your life. That's what the Use angels your, tell you? Yep. Use your own inner radar, because the angels always talk about radar, mm-hmm. uh, and discern what resonates with you and what does not. Live your truth, walk your walk, talk your talk. Which number is the angels telling you to only care about financial stuff? Which number is that? <laughs> That's probably the one before it. <laughs> also, I do remember a ton of radar talk in the Bible. Yeah. A lot of radar. Yeah. 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 Lots of radar talk. Radar and lasers. Lasers. <laughs> <laughs> Almost kind of all of... Ecclesiastes. That was was, was most of Leviticus. Was just lasers. Uh, Yeah. When you when you said uh, radar, I was thinking a mash. (laughs) (laughs) You just always think about mash, are you? (laughs) As I often am. (laughs) All right. I thought you were the young one, Joey. (laughs) I am the young one, but uh... (laughs) but his favorite show is from the seventies. I didn't watch it a lot. I watched some of it. It was uh, it was a reruns. It was highly acclaimed. I think it was like the biggest uh, uh, TV event ever. Yeah, the finale. Yeah, the finale. There were three channels. Right. What else the, were you gonna watch? Well, you're gonna put an asterisk next to that one, aren't you? 
I am. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to put pre-cable. Yeah. Yeah, there's an asterisk besides uh, all those Bill Russell Celtics titles. Six teams. There were like eight teams in the league. Come on. <laughs> wow. Bill Russell is <laughs> not happy right now. I'm going to give him your address. We'll see how it I'm goes. I'm just trying to get us to go viral, you know? I'm firing <laughs> shots at Bill Russell. <laughs> Talk shit at the greatest winner in basketball of all time. Probably yeah, in what, sports. That's what it takes to get an autograph from Bill Russell. You go ahead and give him my address. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he comes over, he hits you in the face, and then he signs your belly. With, with all 11 rings. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> he I just take... doubles them up mm-hmm. on uh, each finger. Yeah. Well, we're going to get around to here, but uh, we'd like to thank you for listening and uh, reminiscing with us. Uh, you can find us on social media. Shout out to uh, us when you, if you have uh, games that you would like to watch with us. Uh, we'd love to uh, get some suggestions. Uh, when we left, when we left our own devices, uh, you get this show. Uh, but I liked it. Uh, you can find us also on Facebook dot com slash the unbeatables the website is the unbeatables dot com uh, you can rate and review us wherever you're listening uh, you can share the episode with a, uh, a friend or pacer fan in your life um, we've got t-shirts for sale on the website slash store for our once and always coach Bobby Leonard turn out the lights the witch is dead ooh <laughs> twist ending wow oh one yeah. thing I, for, I forgot to uh, to mention was uh, what was going on in the year 450 uh, metal horseshoes became uh, more common for, metal uh, horseshoes metal horseshoes yeah before that it was all plastics it was crap <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> nobody likes the plastic. made overseas you don't know um <laughs> You gotta have a warranty on it. Plastics break down. Oh, uh, this will be uh, interesting. So the Angles, the Saxons, and the Jutes invade Britain, uh, which marks the beginning of the Old English period, uh, approximately 450. <laughs> Is that when they started Bruno E? <laughs> That's <laughs> so my old English period when I was about uh, <laughs> between the years of 19 and 24. Yeah, I thought the old English period, yeah, it started in uh, 1998. <laughs>